And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to Spin Rink, presented by Tops. Check out Tops Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Tops baseball cards. That's right. This is Spin Rink, the Athletics Toronto Blue Jays podcast. My name is Drew Fairservice. We are so excited to be here in the throes of the offseason. But the postseason rages on. The Blue Jays are in wait-and-see mode. We'll be hearing, you know, in coming days and weeks from Mark Shapiro and Ross Atkins, if we haven't already. I can't keep track of their comings and goings. But those transactions are staring us down. And I'm staring down the microphone right now from the coast of Spin Rate. Not the microphone, the camera. She's the co-host of Spin Rate. She covers the Blue Jays for the Athletic. Her name is Caitlin McGrath. Caitlin, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm glad to hear you well. Uh, I one thing I want to say, of course, the uh, housekeeping off the top, and that is that you should subscribe to the Athletic, so you can read everything that Caitlin writes about the off season, about what's coming up. What happened, what's going to happen, looking ahead, looking beyond, looking past, whichever direction. So go to theathletic.com slash spin rate. Subscribe to The Athletic. The other thing I'm going to want you to do is go to wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to the show. They'll bring it right to you. You'll get a little thing. They'll say, hey, you got a new show to listen to. And then you can listen. Like when this one popped up and you, if you already subscribed, you're like, oh, look at that. They recorded another episode of Spin Rate. I'm going to listen to it right now. And you can do that. One thing I will say is that after today, Caitlin and I will record this episode. I'm going to record another episode in the coming upcoming week with a guest I'm excited to talk to. Um, I'll say, no spoilers. Um, just in case, you know, the schedule's changed for my own protection. But after that, you will want to make sure you're subscribed because we'll take a little, we're going to take a little break. We will go, go away, then we're going to come back with more spin rate. When the time is right, when the time, not, not, not a break, just it's the off season. What are we going to talk about? We're already scraping the bottom of the barrel by having me on as it is. But we can talk about, I'm wearing a Julian Baker shirt. We can talk about Julian Baker taking the stage with Phoebe Bridgers in uh, Berkeley yeah, yesterday. It looked just like the best time. But uh, no, so subscribe to the show. So then when we do come back, you know, around award season, around transaction season, winter meetings, work, CBA discussions, we'll be back, I'm sure, to tackle all those things on spin rate. Right, Caitlin? That's the deal that is, as you understand it? That is the deal. I mean, I have my um, PTO booked, so we better be taking a break because I won't be here. I mean, I'm not going anywhere, but I am not working for a couple weeks much deserved break if I do say so myself. Oh, geez, pat yourself on the back a little <laughs> bit. No, <laughs> You're right. You do deserve a break. Everyone does. If you have time off, make sure you use it. It's part of your pay packet. It's part of your compensation for doing the job that you do. Take the time off. You need it. I took two days off last week, uh, and it was delightful. I spent one day uh, gardening, and then I spent the other day, I got a tattoo. It was great. Shout out to the Pearl Harbor gift shop in Kensington Market. If we ever have the opportunity to go and get work done there by anybody in the shop you should my guy daniel ennis has been doing my tattoos for like 25 years because i am very old he's not as old as i am so i as i learned he was doing tattoos for me he was very young but you know that's what you do in someone's basement when you live in newmarket slash holland landing but anyway take time off like caitlin did and we'll take a little bit of time off we'll come back refreshed renewed Mm -hmm. and reinvigorated as we have the off-season roadmap will be laid out before us. I'm doing like the eye down the road gesture again. I'm doing that this a lot recently. Yeah. I, I do a lot of pantomime on the show. <laughs> the people who, who are listening, they don't recognize how like 
demonstrative I am, yeah. perhaps. Maybe they can Caitlin hear does. it. They, they can hear it through your voice, you know? It's like they know you're talking with your hands. They can just tell. That's why I was so enthusiastic about Joey Gallo coming to the Blue Jays. I needed to do like get really, really lean in and and talk with my hands like he did for Lindsay Adler in that very famous viral photo now that she got him to do. And then that the which that the the Looney Tunes official account replied to Lindsay Adler because she posted a photo of Joey Gallo doing like the A hands. It's like never you mind. The internet's a wonderful place. Let's start the show, though, Caitlin mm-hmm. McGrath of TheAthletic.com. Let's start with one of the biggest uh, or pieces of business for the Blue Jays this off season. Actually, no, let's not start with that piece of business. Let's start with this, this piece of business that's just come down. And that is, according to ESPN's Jeff Passan. Jeff Passan? Passan? Am I saying this right? Hmm? Jeff Passan. Jeff Passan. All right. Uh, Passan. Add a little bit of like, you know. <laughs> Maybe that's his French name. It is. <laughs> I'm just getting. I'm getting revenge for uh, for Greg Gagne and the and the 1987 or 1991 Minnesota Twins. Uh, starting in 2022, Major League Baseball teams will be required to provide housing for 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 uh, minor league players. Uh, apparently, six teams um, are preparing to help house the players across their four minor league affiliates, which is pretty. Uh, that's a big win for the minor league players, and there's been a lot of um, of solidarity. The fair ball wristbands. I know. I think Bo Bichette was seen wearing one in one of the games. Um, it, you know, there's a group called the Advocates for Minor Leaguers, which have been uh, you know vocal uh, advocates for minor leaguers. So this is a big win. Uh, it's a huge step in the right direction for guys who don't make a lot of money who are you know chasing the dream. And while they have reduced the size of the minor leagues, there are still so many guys out there who may or may not get to the big leagues or get beyond a ball or double a so the ability to have those kind of housing costs especially as housing costs escalate around uh, north america i think this is a huge deal what about you i mean i can't imagine you're going to say anything too much different but yeah other than like damn those guys they should be paying for their own way (laughs) uh no of course as you say it's a good um step it should be a first step of many, I think, obviously to continue to improve the life of minor leaguers and like, you know, um, providing housing is one thing. I don't know that we know exactly like how that's going to look, whether it's like the teams are going to, um, give them, you know, a daily or daily or monthly or whatever allowance for rent or whether it's going to be, they're just going to provide housing, be it like sort of dorm, dormitory setups or whatever it would be maybe it's a little bit of both you don't know because there's there's older minor league players who have families and um living in sort of a dorm style might not work for guys that are in double a and triple a once you're getting a little bit older in your career but maybe in low a that kind of style works so maybe it's going to be a little bit different but definitely good first step obviously you want to see wages go up Uh, there's a lot of things that need to improve about the minor leagues um, and, you know, credit, I think, to like some of the um, minor leaguers that spoke out this year. This was the first year um, where we really saw a lot more attention brought to it. It's been an issue for quite a number of years, um, but you you heard a lot more people talking about it this year. Um, and, you know, I know like at The Athletic, we wrote a couple stories about it um, and it's definitely shows how important that kind of work is that kind of journalism is that kind of um you know players speaking out um some of the major leaguers like you said Bobachet and others who wore the bracelets like all that kind of stuff obviously it helped put pressure on um the teams to take action finally so you hope that you'll see increased wages just better living all around um for the minor leaguers but yeah definitely one um one good step to uh provide that housing cuz you would hear stories like I mean, you would hear stories like it was not uncommon for minor leaguers to have like, you know, six, seven guys to an apartment. And, you know, the nature of the minor leagues is like sometimes it's um, a a great thing when somebody gets called up or moved up to another level. But then sometimes that can leave their roommates kind of 
um, in trouble if they need guys to pay for the rent. So it's just such a stressful situation for those guys. And you talk about, um, you know, they're already living in such a kind of competitive world where they're trying to make their dreams reality and they're playing baseball and they're trying to make a living and they have to worry about where they're going to sleep at night and how they're going to eat at night. Um, and it's, you know, it just, it, it doesn't make any sense because teams should, you know, you think about how important every little thing is at the major league level, you know, like dietary concerns and, and, you know, where players are sleeping and, and working out and everything, everything matters, um, for a major league player. So it, you know, it doesn't make sense that that shouldn't trickle down to the entire organization. Um, and so hopefully this is one step, you know, provide the housing, um, give the players more money. And so they're not worrying about where they're going to eat at night or, you know, living off peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for all three meals. Well, I'm glad you, you clarified all three meals because that is obviously on its own individually, a single meal, the meal of champions <laughs> It is a fine, fine meal indeed, but not three times a day. We'll be right back with more spin rate, but first check this out. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily with 24 seven us based live customer service from discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer. If you ask us make the right call and get the service you deserve with discover limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Obviously, it's a step in the right direction. And in this story that I'm reading, I think this is an AP, some AP wire copy, um, or actually, no, it's from Sportsnet, um, talking about um, in the past, you know, low level minors uh, players would earn as little as 4,800 bucks for the season. And now, uh, this past year, so full season minor leaguers earn between 12000 and $16,800 per season, um, which is still not a lot of money. But it goes a lot further than, you know, 4,800. But I can't help but think about a couple of different things, which is number one, reducing the size of the minors might a make this more feasible from teams that are other than the fact that they're not just paying for for so many players. I mean, not that the teams are profitable, right, but they don't have lots of money and should do the right thing. Um, but with uh, having a bit of a scaled down minor league system, there's a bit more um, return on that investment from a from a from a finance perspective for the clubs, so that such that may, might make it more make make them easier to cut that check. I think as opposed to you know when there's three levels of a ball and short season this and short season that, but that doesn't mean it's not the right thing to do. Regardless, I wonder a little bit about like what does that mean in when they get out into the into the into the community. Maybe now where it's like there's not even that sort of, I don't know, maybe that's that's a little bit of like a straw man. Like I was going to make a kind of goofy argument, but I don't think, not argument, but just kind of like, what about, you know, those guys paying, paying rent it helps those teeny tiny communities because now they're all going to be like cloistered away like it's like an army base or something. But uh well, but it's, it's it might not. It, I mean, they might. That's what I mean. Like they might still be renting apartments. Um, and like, I don't know, teams might still do like billet style too. I mean, I don't know exactly how billeting worked. I think maybe teams prov provided billet families funds so the players could live there and they would, um, I don't know exactly how that worked. Um, but that usually only is at like the very low levels of the minor leagues. Um, if anything, it would only be like low A at this point, I think. After that, you get guys that are old enough that they want to live on their own. They don't really want to live with another family. Um, so, but yeah, like I, I, <laughs> you're, you're saying if they're all going to like have these like, you know, baseball dorms. Um, but I don't know that that would even be feasible in a lot of places. Like a lot of minor league, um, a lot of minor league teams are in 
you know, towns and, and cities that don't necessarily have all this open space where they would be able to like open up this huge dorm style. So like, where are they going to go in Buffalo? I, I got it in Buffalo. They're going to go into some of what, some of those old, beautiful old, like industrial buildings going to be loft, loft style living. That's the big blue Jays, big pitch. <laughs> you want to sign an underslot deal, loft style living in Buffalo is what you have to look forward to. Well, or maybe you can live in uh, where do they play in, in new Britain? Is that where they play in or uh, Manchester? No, the new Hampshire, where does New Hampshire play? Where's, what's the city called? Oh, um, oh, I'm I'm blanking. It doesn't matter. Vancouver, uh, Blue Jays are gonna have to. Yeah, yeah. That, now that Blue Jays are getting into the into the to the real estate game in Vancouver, that, <laughs> yeah. that seems like a like a like Manchester. It is Manchester. Manchester. Okay, that like the Vancouver one is one where like it might seem likely that they would have to sort of rent out. Um, a, a dorm style or whatever it may be, because I don't, I don't know, I don't know what the rental market is in Vancouver. I know like the housing market is really expensive. Um, and like that's like one of the. I mean, I don't know all the minor league cities and um across the United States, but I would have to imagine there's not many that could would be competing with Vancouver in terms of high cost of living. I mean, that was that's got to be up there. Absolutely. Or, you know, on the other side, I don't, do they, is Brooklyn, Staten Island, the Staten Island Yankees, like that's going to be, that would be expensive real estate, I'm guessing, outside of the city like that. But it's, uh, or anywhere in California really is going to be expensive, right? Yeah. Modesto, the Modesto Nuts, if they're still called that, or uh, uh, Stockton, outside of, uh, I mean, Stockton's probably not too expensive. Stockton's got its own thing going on. Um, but yeah, it, it, uh, no matter what, no matter what logistics we could kind of argue, <laughs> yeah. we could, we could split hairs on and, and what that might look like, the challenges that it might present for teams like, you know, the Blue Jays are sort of maybe uniquely positioned in terms of, uh, their, their arrangement with Vancouver and, and how it might work. Um, but the other side of that is like, you're asking how, like how many, how many kids are, how many people that play on, in Vancouver are bonus babies, right? How many how many minor leaguers they that they, they're all face forced to face that burden that now we're like, oh God, notch watch the we're counting pennies for the for the blue jays. Like, oh it's so expensive to build a bunch of stuff in Vancouver. It's like some kid who's making twelve thousand dollars a year cannot afford to live yeah, exactly. in West Vancouver or wherever <laughs> the Nat is. Uh, so it's it's just I think in, in, in when you think about it for when I think about it from that perspective it kind of puts the the uh, the onus in the right place mm-hmm. I think that's a bit of a better onus and and they can probably get some more value out of that and then it's something else that can be they could rent it out in the winter too as well I don't know to hockey players <laughs> I'm reaching now desperately but a, but a big step in the right direction but it, it does I think that the other side of maybe moving away from you know with, with having just the four minor league levels is it uh, this, this really interesting thing I read recently about you know uh, competitive kids sports and how like you know there's there's the one kid like all the other kids are around for the one kid to sort of like let use it like all all the other kids are cannon fodder for the one kid that everybody knows is already the best kid out there and is going to go to the next level and all the other kids are just like paying thousands and thousands a year for the privilege of like being alongside that that kid essentially and I, the minor le- the minor leagues have that sort of vibe and hopefully that if there's a bit more of democratization in terms of the the housing across the minor leagues, maybe you can get some more like Kevin Pillar, some more like, you know, diamonds in the rough. And they're, they're not as they're maybe won't uh, have to give up the game at a young age because they just can't afford to pay their bills. So I can't see it being really a bad investment in any way um, for the teams, other than the fact that they're probably having to buy real estate in Florida, which never seems like a good idea. Yeah, I agree with what you said. And it's a good point that, you could end up, you know, you never know who's going to come out of the minor leagues and you guys that are lower draft picks um, sometimes do make it through. But yeah, if you are, you know, a guy who was picked lower and, you know, maybe you're not having the greatest season or whatnot, like maybe you do sort of hang them up because you just don't want to deal with the stress that came along with, you know, sleeping in a one bedroom apartment with six other guys and not being able to afford your rent or whatever. Like maybe you you do give it up. And so once you take that sort of burden off of them um, and they're only having to worry about the game and their play and all that stuff, I mean, you, you probably do get a better product on the field. Which, from the sounds of things, won't be hard to get a better product in the field than that 
which was on the field in 2021, which a lot of the things that people were writing about in the minor leagues were like, it's rough, it's bad, bad for the minor leagues even in, in 2021. But hopefully we'll get some more on that next week. Now, let's talk about, speaking of real estate and moving and finding a place to live and um, sums of money, let's talk a little bit about Robbie Ray. Okay. I know you wrote um, about potential landing spots for Robbie Ray, more like potential markets for Robbie Ray. Like who, who's going to be in the Robbie Ray business as well as, you know, what, what can we really more, more about like, you know, there's been some big numbers that have been thrown around and he made himself this much money or that much money. But have, have we maybe kind of overstated, um, you know, what Robbie Ray's potential market might be or, or what's what I guess what's what's your sense of like, and you know, I know you spoke with Tim Britton um, as well. Uh, what's the sense of what the, what could be out there potentially for a pitcher like Robbie Ray? Yeah, like um, so. Tim is really. Um, I'm I'm not sure if it's just like a story idea that he's done every year and he really likes doing it, or he has a particular passion for kind of trying to f- figure out um, players' markets. But you know, he wrote a story. Um, couple days ago um very similar like what does marcus stroman's market look like um and he kind of wrote in it that earlier he had predicted um kind of what david price would make when he signed that big deal with the red sox and so tim's um found a method that works really well for him in terms of predicting how guys um might get paid in the offseason when they're entering free agency and so i obviously reached out to him and he shared he graciously shared his sacred spreadsheet with me um, where he has, you know, all the guys deals and what they made and all that kind of stuff. So anyway, yeah, like just kind of talking to Tim and looking at the spreadsheet. I mean, I think that you've said this, a lot of people have said this, and I think it's a fair com- comparison is like Zach Wheeler is kind of the um, top comparable. If you're talking about like what could um, the the top end of the market be for Robbie Ray. And I think like you look at Zach Wheeler and like, um, Zach Wheeler ahead of his free agency. He had two kind of back-to-back good seasons, so a little bit more than Robbie Ray. Um, but on the other hand, Zach Wheeler had a lot more um, sort of health uncertainty, I guess, because he had, had missed two seasons because of Tommy John. And so he had had those sort of injury problems, um, whereas Robbie Ray has been quite the opposite. He's been very healthy. He's been very reliable, durable. Um pitcher where he's made, you know, most of his starts every season, basically, since he's broken to the league. Um, so you kind of contrast that. And then you think like with Robbie Ray, um, yeah, maybe you don't have the sort of high end two years going in free agency, but you have this one really good year where he was, you know, a Cy Young candidate. You have last year, which wasn't so good, but maybe you can throw it out because it was such a short season. And so I think like, you know, what Tim said and what I wrote a little bit was this like, I think with Wheeler and with Ray, you can see the upside. Like you can see how teams might think we're paying for the upside in this guy based on what he's shown recently. And so the Blue Jays, interestingly, might be one of the teams that know the most about the upside. Like they have the best sort of data most recent data, um, you know, most intricate and intimate data on Robbie Ray. Um, so they would be best equipped to kind of know, is this season that he just had um, repeatable or did this feel like something that can't be repeated? And that's really what it's going to come down to with Robbie Ray is how much do teams like if a team views Robbie Ray as their, as their Zach Wheeler, then he's going to get paid, you know, maybe upwards of 23 a year, which is around what um, Zach Wheeler got. Um, but the big question with Robbie Ray is, is he going to be able to do this year in a year out? Or are there some red flags in his performance um, this season, overall in his career, which maybe would have teams hold back a little bit and say, he's not quite, you know, worth that much. But maybe you look at like a Nathan Uvalde and what he got when he was coming off that really strong season in 2018, and he got about 17 million. So do you think, is Robbie Ray more about that? Well, Robbie Ray has more strikeout potential. So you up that a little bit. You know, then I looked at Hunjin Ryu and like, yeah, they're completely different pitchers, but you know, when Ryu signed with the Blue Jays, he was coming off a second place Cy Young finish, um, kind of a distant second place finish. Jacob deGrom won that year, like handily. Um, but <laughs> going away. Yeah, but still, like, I mean, you know, you have that as a pitcher. It's like you were up there in the Cy Young voting and, and Ryu had a really strong season in um, 
2019 before his free agency. And so he's at 20 million a year. Well, he's a little older than Robbie Ray, doesn't have the strikeout potential, but you don't worry about the command with a guy like Ryu and he got 20 million. So I kind of came to the conclusion that, you know, Robbie Ray could be basically the floor is probably about 18 million. The ceiling is probably the Zach Wheeler contract. Um, and maybe the safe middle ground is like a 20 million a year pitcher, which is what Ryu got. Um, and yeah, in terms of years, it's probably low end is probably four. I don't know that he would want to settle for anything less because he's only going to be 30 next year. And the high end is probably like six if anyone's willing to go that long. But I think, again, the safe bet is probably in between at five years. Six seems a little crazy yeah. for Robbie Ray. But I think that you said a lot of really interesting things. The one thing that I keep coming back to is like the thing about Robbie Ray and the things that are in some ways red flags, and I know that you wrote about it in your pieces, that he gave up a lot of home runs. Yeah. But the thing about Robbie Ray is that about Robbie Ray's 2021 versus all the other years of Robbie Ray is that this year was kind of the same. Right, he's still throw. He's th- he threw hard before, and he throws hard now. Yeah, he threw. You know, his slider. He had great stuff. His slider was a really effective pitch, and it was a really effective pitch. Now, the thing that I think that uh, my guess is that what folks, you know, baseball evaluators and, and and decision makers will see is that the things that made Robbie Ray tantalizing are still there. Yeah, the, they're what made him great. It was that he was now able to command all of his pitches, to throw that slider to both sides of the plate, to both handed batters, to avoid it getting battered by right-handers other than maybe the third time through the order. But like all those things are kind of like green flags for me. Mm -hmm. If I'm saying like, what's real about this? Was it that the balls that would have ordinarily gone over the one side of the fence, scraped the other side? You know, there's nothing about his performance that is extraordinary other than he didn't walk people, right. which is like, it's easy to say, and this, and this is something that you've heard me say a million times, which is like, you want people to believe in your player development. And if you're Robbie Ray, you're coming from a credible organization, yes, right? You're, you, you know that if, well, if I'm an, a, a rival, I know that the Blue Jays have a good track record of getting guys to figure this bit out. Mm-hmm. And they, if they were able to get through to Robbie Ray, the stuff was obviously there. Right. And it's really interesting. The Zach Wheeler thing is, is, is a, is a, is the one that you, as you reference, I've come back to. And I think a lot of folks are going to come back to because Zach Wheeler and Robbie Ray both do the things that the baseball industry values. Right, they strike is, guys you, out. They strike guys out. They throw hard. Mm-hmm. They miss bats. And the health piece I think is huge as well. Where, the Blue Jays signed Hyunjin Ryu, which is to say that you could probably make the other argument that the Blue Jays overpaid to get Hyunjin Ryu because that's kind of how they have often had to do things, maybe. Yeah, and I think that that point in their um, in their evolution of a competing team, they still weren't a place where they had to overpay mm-hmm. and just be like that was their first big signing. Um, and I think they probably overpaid a little bit for George Springer, maybe in not necessarily dollar value but in the sense that they gave him six years right like mm-hmm. that that probably mm-hmm. was wedding so you always have to do that a little bit and the toronto has to do that um to to more um extent than other teams just because you're kind of paying the sort of canadian tax um to get guys here one thing to go back to just because um i want to build off your point with robbie ray the walks and actually the thing with the walks is that that to me um is the most like believable thing that he can repeat. Like it does how he was like, when you look at his numbers and you look at the walk rate and all that kind of stuff, it was from the beginning of spring training until the end of the year. Like there was a, like he came out in spring training. I remember, and he was like throwing strikes. He wasn't walking guys in spring. And it was like, okay, he's showing this in spring is, can he do it in season? And there really was not, I mean, there's like a couple games here and there where maybe he walked three, but like there was never really a game, um, um, or a, a, a long stretch where he lost that command. Like the command was almost the most consistent thing um, of his entire season. And I think what you said about the Blue Jays getting through to him, to me, like the biggest, um, you know, what got through to him was like, Robbie, your stuff is good. You can aim more for the plate and you'll be fine. And so I don't see him knowing that he has now a full season of evidence of like, when I was doing this, this is what it led me to. I don't see him going back 
and saying, okay, no, I'm going to go back to like biting the corners a little bit. Like to me, like the walks, the, is he going to have a 6.9 walk rate or whatever it was this season, which is better than average every year? Maybe not. Maybe he's going to regress, regress a little bit to more like just average walk rate, which is like usually around like 8% for pitchers. But I don't see him going back to the days where he's like walk, like it's 12% or like 15% or whatever it was. Um, like I don't think he's going back to those days. Um, and so like, yeah, the only thing you have to worry about is a hard contact. Um, and you, yeah, the third time through a little bit. And one thing that I cited in the piece with Robbie Ray, which was really interesting, was also like Eno Saris's piece on Kevin Gosman, which just was just a little bit about guys that rely really on two pitches, even though Robbie has four pitches, but obviously the slider and fastball. You just have to be aware that they may need to sort of make adjustments every now and then. And so maybe you saw towards the end of the season a little bit, team started to know Robbie Ray is going to throw the strikes now like he's throwing strikes so you see teams getting more aggressive with him and so just one thing to be mindful with Robbie Ray is that the he's always going to have to stay one step ahead of batters which is kind of the whole thing with starting pitching anyway right like that to me was one of the things you have to worry about is like not worry about but just be aware of with Robbie Ray is like he if he's going to continue throwing a lot of strikes um he's got to keep kind of evolving and staying one step ahead of batters because even though he throws hard you know, big leaguers can hit strikes, even if they're, you know, 97 miles an hour. You, big leaguers and big leaguers can hit strikes, which is, a, which is a great point. And I think you were referencing 6.9% walk rate. So the percentage of, 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 of batters that you face that in their bats ended in walks. But to me, like that is, that's hard to fake. You know what I mean? Because, not only, you know, it, it goes back to the thing that he does well, which is he strikes people out, he throws hard. But if so, if he's got pe- getting getting batters to swing more often, to be fooled, you know, because they're 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 swinging um, and they're swinging at balls, they're swinging at uh, or they're they're not able to put balls in play. You know what I mean? Like that to me is is a huge thing. Throwing more, way more first pitch strikes um, mm-hmm. as he did. Uh, this year as well and just like a noticeable uptick in pitches that were in the zone while still missing tons of bats like that's that's huge it's not it's like if, if you have a guy who who has builds their strikeout portfolio on called strikes that's not someone necessarily that you want to bet on and you mentioned Marcus Stroman off the top um, because I guess because Tim Britton covers the Mets now and, and maybe some older heads like myself would remember uh, when Tim wrote about the Red Sox, which I think when you le- uh, leaned back to to describe his uh, uh, pe- pegging the, the David Price contract, which is to say that to com- contrast Marcus Stroman's offseason against Robbie Ray's offseason will be very interesting mm-hmm. because just like when it looked like Stroman might hit the, hit, the off- hit the market around the same time as Zach Wheeler or, or you know, Again, you look. You Marcus Stroman's results are really good, but he doesn't do the things that the baseball industry likes as much. Mm-hmm. And so, I can't see Marcus Stroman getting more money than than Robbie Ray, even though Marcus Stroman is good at many of many things that that Robbie Ray isn't. Yeah. And and but at the same time, I feel like Robbie Ray is going to get more than Stroman, which is which is interesting. Um, but and and I wonder if if. Whoever signs Mark Strom might be getting like a some pretty good value. Yeah, and I think it's it, you know they're actually kind of really interesting um, comparisons because um, they're very similar in a lot of ways in some of the ways that teams value in terms of like um, you know health has been for the most part very good for them um, consistency like um, has been good like in terms of making starts every year um, like they both have that going for them. I think Marcus Stroman over his career has probably been a little bit more consistent um, in terms of like, he's not really had the wild swings that maybe Robbie Ray has had, um, but he also doesn't have the upside that Robbie Ray has had. Um, And like you said, like what teams like to pay for is those um, strikeout or strikeout potential 
Um, so yeah, like I think that I don't think there would be a huge gap between what they're able to make. I think they'll, if Robbie Ray is in the first tier of starters, then, um, Marcus Stroman is either at the bottom end of that first tier or the first guy in the second tier. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I think they'll both, um, be pretty valued this off season, um, just for like different reasons. I guess they're same age. I think, um, it's around the same age. I think Marcus Stroman's probably age 30 ish. Um, or so same as Robbie Ray. Um, so yeah, I mean, they, they, their, their markets will be interesting to follow. I, I wonder, you know, one thing that's, it's, it's an interesting starting pitching class because you have guys like Robbie Ray that have had this kind of breakout season. Then you have this sort of like hall of famer class of guys like the Max Scherzer, Clayton Kershaw. I think, um, Justin Verlander is a free agent. Obviously he didn't pitch. Um, after Tommy John, I think Zach Granke is a free agent as well. So you have these like tier of like just Hall of Fame guys that are sort of the, the category on their own. Um, and then you have the Robbie Rays, Kevin Gosman, I think is a free agent as well. And he's coming off a really strong season with the Giants. And then you have guys like, you know, Marcus Stroman who are, um, other options as well. So as uh, Steven Matz is probably, um, in, in one of those tiers as well, maybe a little lower than, um, Stroman just because of his ups and downs and stuff, but definitely still the, like that reliable starter that a lot of teams will, you know, pay for his services. So, um, like, you know, wondering what the starting pitching market will be from a dollar value is really interesting, but also just wondering where everyone will end up. I think there's going to be more buyers this year. I think there's going to be more teams looking, um, more teams look competitive, uh, at the trade deadline, for example, more teams were sort of buying versus selling. Um, I think you have a lot of interesting teams like um, maybe like the Twins, for example. Like, are they going to go full rebuild? Or are they are they going to be kind of shopping for a pitcher who can help um, their rotation a little bit so that they are not quite like bottoming, bottoming out, but kind of trying to like, um, I don't know, pivot a little bit and try to be somewhat competitive. They seem like the kind of team that could use like a 28-year-old number two starter, maybe like a sinker slider kind of guy. Mm-hmm. He might be a good fit. Yeah, a guy that has like one more year before he hits free agency or something. Right? <laughs> that, that sounds like an ideal uh, sign, you know, move for a team like Minnesota. More spin rate coming up right after these words from our sponsors. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash. Or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant. Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man of the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. The Stroman thing, I, I don't want to keep harping on Marcus Stroman. He doesn't play for the Blue Jays anymore. He hasn't since 20, what, 17? 20, no. 2019. 2019, whatever. <laughs> They're all the same at this point. But uh, Marcus Stroman is a very interesting person and he's a very interesting case in terms of baseball um, because of his what he does and he is unique I think in his skills on top of you know because there are things that people like and like to like like first base defense and scooping throws out of the dirt like Vlad like Vlad did a few times this year actually Vladdy scoop was credited for more scoops than any first baseman in baseball Um, but it's also like and like uh, a pitcher, Marcus Stroman being able to field his position, mm-hmm. we like to like it, yeah. But it doesn't fucking mean anything. And at the end of the day, no, you know. And, and Marcus Stroman's good, and he's always pitched to a good ERA, and it's like he's, he's he's really durable. Other than when he blew out his knee, and when he was like hurt during the COVID season, I used air quotes there. Nobody can see it, not even Caitlin, I don't think. Um, but the baseball likes big dick donkeys to throw hard and throw sliders that right through everybody. And that's exactly what Robbie Ray is. So like if Rob and, and, and so when, and Marcus Stroman's free agent case, I think is also really interesting because 
he's um, an outspoken uh, person. He is. He has makes his his uh, opinions. He doesn't hide them. Uh, he speaks frankly and openly about being a black ball player. So in some ways, I think about like what would be a good mix, you know, in terms of like a, a what would be a good match for the way they run their organization or the way that their, their team tends to function on the field, like St. Louis, right? St. Louis is like, they went out this year at the trade deadline and they went got John Lester, they got Jay Happ, they kind of relied on their really strong infield defense. Maybe Marcus Stroman would look great with that defense behind him. But then mm-hmm. the question is like, would Marcus Stroman sign in St. Louis? I don't know that he would. I don't, I don't know. I can't pretend to know yeah. where his mindset's at. And this is like his time to get paid. But at the same time, knowing what you know about Marcus Stroman, you know maybe maybe you can assume, if you're me and you're willing to assume, that might, signing in St. Louis might give him pause. Because well, yeah. No, I, 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 as you were saying that, I had the same thought because I thought I was thinking of Marcus Stroman. I was thinking, okay, who has a good infield defense? I was like, St. Louis. And I'm like, again, but I don't know that St. Louis would be a good match for Marcus Stroman. I mean, I know like a, a couple of years back when obviously I was covering Marcus Stroman um, on the Blue Jays and there was all this trade attention around him. Obviously the team that came up uh, a number of times was the New York Yankees um, because, you know, he's from New York and obviously he ended up going to the Mets um, in a deal that maybe uh, not that many people expected. And it was kind of came out of nowhere a little bit with the Mets, but um, you know, in some reasons I think he would, um, mesh well with the Yankees. Yes, the Yankees, um, you know, do have that sort of, um, I don't know, old school style, just of being that kind of storied franchise. You know, you can't grow a beard or whatever. <laughs> like they have some rules like that. But at the same time, like I think the Yankees do kind of embrace the sort of um, swagger with them. And, they, you know, they've got guys <laughs> like Aaron Judge who are, um, you know, so, sort of supposed to be the leading stars of the majors. Um, I think, but one team actually that I think he would, Mark Stroman would really um, fit well with, this is turning into a Mark Stroman podcast, um, but the Padres. I feel like he would really um, mm. mesh well. Now, I don't know that they have the infield defense necessarily, but just from like a vibes point of view and like the t- sort of what they're trying to do um, in San Diego and obviously um, they need starting pitching. I don't know what, like, I know they had a lot of injuries this year, so I don't actually know what their rotation kind of looks like for next season, but I have to imagine mm-hmm. they need starters. Um, mostly teams, all teams need starters usually in the off season. So um, that's a team that stands out to me as I think he would, I think he would play well there. I think San Diego would be a really cool market for him. It's not a huge market, um, but it's big enough. They're happy to throw money around in yeah. San Diego. They've done that quite a bit. Uh, the vibes thing is true. They need to, they need to get rid of Eric Hosmer's dead money if they're yeah. uh, and probably Will Myers money too if they need to if they're going to be signing a guy like Marcus Stroman. San Francisco, I think, is another good match yep. for uh, for Stroman. You know, I, Marcus Stroman, I think about places that are going to help him keep the ball in the ballpark because um, that's always going to be the thing that's going to kind of chase after him a little bit. But then and but see, this is the difference, right? And this is why. The baseball industry does likes the kind of players that they like in terms of well, in terms of racism, but also in terms of missing bats and getting strikeouts because Robbie Ray, it doesn't matter. There's no there's no good or bad match for Robbie Ray other than like Colorado because you know the slider's not going to work there. But that's it. That's the only place that 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 what Robbie Ray does isn't going to be is going to be good, bad, or indifferent. Yeah, Robbie Ray's thing isn't. Can he can he avoid a few extra home runs? Because as we saw this year, and 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 hard contact is a thing for Robbie Ray. When Robbie Ray gets hit, it stays hit. Like it's you know it's a it's a it's a bad pitch that got smashed and it's going out in any ballpark. It's the wooded dong. When Robbie Ray's on the hill, it's always going to dong because he because he throws hard and he misses with the slider and he gets hit and then he moves on. But it's a matter. Of, was it a was it a solo shot or were there two people on base? So it's I I I'm excited to see this to watch this unfold and. And to, you know, again, for our purposes here, I think that we can have this conversation and it's not off base. I think, A, people love Marcus Stroman here. If he signed with the Yankees, oh my God, <laughs> they would hate him. Not here, there. They, the Yan- Yankees fans, one bad start and they would, like Mets fans are already like that, right? But, oof, Yankees fans. The Yankees, the, I think another the place Marcus Stroman might go is the Mets. Just re-sign him. Yeah. Re-sign him if they're able to get you know, Javi Baez on a good deal, then they've then they've immediately got good and with Lindor they've got good infield defense. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I, I, if I had to pick where Marcus will end up, I think he, probably the Mets. Um, actually, when Tim was writing his piece, I don't think he predicted where he'd end up. I think he sort of just looked at what the Mets need or whatnot. But anyway, one of the comparables that he used for Marcus Stroman was Hunjin Ryu's and Hunjin Ryu's um, deal with the Blue Jays. Obviously, the differences, again, mostly pertain to age and health in that Ryu was older and Ryu had question marks with his health. But in terms of like a guy that rely and, and like a little bit different, Marcus Stroman isn't necessarily like a finesse pitcher as much. Um, but he does rely on the ground ball. Um, like he throws a little harder than Ryu, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, but, um, obviously the ground balls are, you know, what he relies on. And so that's Hunjin Ryu as similar. Um, and so if, yeah, if, if Marcus Stroman's getting 20 a year though, then then you have to assume that the market is such that Robbie Ray's getting something closer to 22 or 23. Yeah. I don't think that's off. I don't think that's off base at all. It's interesting. Here's an interesting question. Okay. Who throws, who throws harder between Marcus Stroman and Robbie Ray? The answer might surprise you in that they throw almost the same velocity. Well, like, like what is Robbie Ray average? Like 95? Not even 93.1. So I, I've just done like a couple of year average here. So he, he mm-hmm. did t- up, tick up his his, his yeah. uh, velocity a little bit. So I, I had done like a combined like last four years. Mm-hmm. So Robbie Ray uh, in in 2021 averaged 94 on his fastball. So, so uh, very accurate by yourself. And Stroman was 90, 94 and a half. And Stroman is not, but just a shade under 93, 92.9. Uh, the sinker, which again, Robbie Ray doesn't throw that often, both 92. Um, and the slider is uh, for Ray is, is 88 and for Stroman is 85. So Marcus Stroman is not a, not a soft tosser by no. any stretch of the imagination. And I know, I don't, I'm not suggesting that's what you were saying, but he is a different kind of pitcher. He's yeah. not a guy who's ever racked up big strikeout numbers. And I wonder if that's how much of that's by design and how much of that's by, by just a function of, of how of the manner in which he pitches. I mean, Roy Halladay kind of changed, made that gear shift late late in his career where he was like, I should try to get more strikeouts and then did because he's where he was for holiday. <laughs> um, but Stroman, um, it'd be interesting to see if, if, if there's a, if there's interest in him changing his, his, his approach a little bit, then again, if he was really going to do that, he probably would have done it this year. If he was, if he's in a free agent year and he's like, well, look, everybody, I can get, I can, I can rack up the strikeouts too. But you know, again, I think that there might be some good value out there for Marcus Stroman compared to some of the other guys that are out there. I think that uh, with the right team, which is which is again a bit of a different uh, proviso. Is that the right word? I don't know. <sighs> Marcus Stroman. He's fun to talk about. He's a fun guy. He is a fun guy. Um, so let me ask you this: mm-hmm. um, If you had to predict where Robbie Ray ends up, where is it? That that's a you know what I honestly I have no idea because it could be anywhere. Again, he's 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 the kind of guy that that can go anywhere. You know what I I've just thought of, and I don't have any real reason to think this, but I wonder what about like Seattle? What if the, what if the Mariners are like kind of make a bit of a move? And I know that some of the Mariners fans that I follow have spoken a lot about how the Mariners are like have handicapped themselves by running a like a lower payroll than they should right it's a big market it's a stadium that gets full they've got rich owners there's no reason for them not to run a payroll mm-hmm. even consistent with the blue jays like there's there there's no reason they shouldn't be paying you know shelling out the kind of money that the blue jays shell out um so maybe robbie ray's a fit in seattle as they try to like gear up to try to build on their um well fluky but delightful 2021 what do you think where's robbie ray gonna go well it's interesting you say seattle because Corey. Um, our Seattle writer a couple days ago wrote something, um, and he, he was picking some guys to sign or whatever. And, uh, he suggested Marcus Simeon for Seattle, um, to play second base there. And obviously like he would be their sort of big signing, which, um, I could see Marcus, um, Simeon going to Seattle in the sense of like, they're not a team unlike the Blue Jays and that like they do th- they they're different. Obviously they don't have the offense. Um, but they are a team that's presumably on the upswing. Like obviously there's a lot of potential there and like 
just covering Marcus Simeon for a year. Like he does a want to seems to be wanting to go on a team that's going to be a winner, like prime to win. He does seem to be like a player that also kind of likes to be with um, a, a young up and coming team. I, I don't know, maybe like with the Blue Jays, it was his first time, but he just, he fits so well in that role of like that sort of quiet leadership role that I think that Seattle would make a lot of sense for him um, with Robbie Ray. Like, I mean, like in a nightmare scenario for the Blue Jays fans, I can see him going to Boston <laughs> because I mean, Fenway's a park that he uh, could be a little scary with Robbie Ray just because of the weird dimensions of Fenway, obviously in the hard hit balls, but um, also Boston will pay uh, for players and they need pitching. So um, that would be a scenario where obviously Blue Jays fans probably would not want to see that. Um, I, you know, I actually think there's a, I think I tend to be a little bit more optimistic um, that the Blue Jays will bring back one of Robbie Ray and Marcus Simeon. Um, and I think it, I just think it could end up being Robbie Ray for not to say that like, that's the guy they want more. I think they want them both. Um, but I think some factors um, that could sway Robbie in the sense of like his partnership with Pete Walker that works so well. Um, the way uh, that he just kind of, you know, rediscovered his best self in Toronto. Um, just a lot of different factors where maybe with a pitcher, with a starter, that or like organization has more uh, of a pull. Whereas like Marcus Simeon, it's like maybe he feels like he can just go hit anywhere. Like, you know, his routine is his routine. Um, whereas, um, you know, I don't know that the coaching as much as Marcus Simeon probably said, he really enjoyed the coaching staff and the organization. I don't know that like the coaching had as much of an influence um, with Marcus as like it was so pronounced with Robbie Ray. It was like, you know, mm. just everything worked so well with Pete Walker and him. Um, and so I guess I just think the Blue Jays do have at least that lure over um, him. And if they're willing to pay, um, I could see him, you know, if all things being equal, coming back to the Blue Jays as long as the the money was there. Um, but yeah, I mean, Seattle's a good pick. Um, trying to think if there's like some national league teams. I mean, I mean the giants, I guess would probably make sense for him too. Um, it's a big ballpark. I think, uh, if there, whenever there's a left-handed starter on the market and it's going to sign for a lot of money, I don't think that you can ever count the Yankees out. Yeah. But the Yankees, I, I wonder if they have any money, right? They have a lot of money that's going to a lot of different guys. They, If they're smart, they'll look to sign Aaron Judge for a long, 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 long time. Uh, they've got Stanton. They've got a, I'm not sure what the status of like the, the you know, the uh, Gleyber Torres and Gary Sanchez and those types of guys are, are getting into um, expensive years. Joey Gallo's got another expensive year. Uh, the Mariners for 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 each of these guys, I think, is, is pretty interesting. Marcus Simeon in particular, um, that's a that's a piece that they need. Yeah, um, they have a lot of like talent on the way, uh, and on you know with uh, Kelnick, is that how he says it? Yeah. Yes, that's how he Jared says Kelnick, it. and then Kyle Lewis, who I absolutely love, who missed most of the season with with uh, with an injury, but an amazing. Uh, exciting uh, player Julio Rodriguez Rodriguez who's their like top next top prospect who uh, mm -hmm. a lot of folks I saw thought that he should have been here uh, been there in Seattle by the end of the season uh, like that's a you know that's a, there's a lot of talent Marco Gonzalez of course like Marcus Simeon and Robbie Ray both make a lot of sense in Seattle if they're willing to uh, to cut the check yeah you know? that's gonna do cut the check and Marcus Stroman I don't know where he's gonna go the Mets or the Blue Jays? <laughs> the, no. No. <laughs> Not that I don't want to see it happen. I just don't think that it's gonna. No. I Shout don't out to Mark so. Stroman tweeting about it though. Like I'm always open to a, I'm open to a reunion. Like, yeah. He's got a lot of Canadian fans, and he knows that. So he's um, Marcus Stroman is such an interesting guy. I think he's he's like you know whenever his blue or when whenever his playing days are over, he's got so many different career avenues he could go down because I think he'd be a great broadcaster. He's been like live tweeting through games and you know quite insightful. I think he could honestly like start his own show. He could start his own podcast. Like I feel like he obviously already has his side business with the clothing and all that. And just, he seems to be um, a guy that knows exactly how to market himself, which is something that, you know, athletes 
need to have. Like you, there's all these stories about how, you know, athletes retire and they don't know what to do with themselves a lot of time because they've dedicated so much of their adult life to just playing a sport. And when you play professional sports, you're like out of a job by like 40, which is like when other people are just like kind of getting into the thick of their careers. It's such, it's such a different sort of like lifespan, I guess, for a professional athlete. But Marcus Stroman is someone that I look at, I'm like, he's got, you know, he's going to have a great second act, whatever it is. I know I tend to uh, tend to agree. Uh, he is enough, if nothing, an interesting, interesting guy. Caitlin, we don't even have to talk about the goddamn Red Sox. <laughs> we can save that for another time, presumably after they win the World Series, which feels all all but inevitable, according to Caitlin McGrath of the Athletic, uh, off the air. But uh, if this is the last one for a little while, I want to say thank you, Caitlin, for a terrific season of spin rate and for for joining me every week as you do. It's been amazing. And I hope that everybody listening enjoyed it as much as I did. And I hope that you enjoyed your first season. I think I did this already a little bit, but your first season as like a podcasting podcaster. Yeah, no, I did enjoy it. Um, Hopefully people enjoyed it as well. If you have any feedback for me, everyone, just send it my way. But only positive feedback, I ask. Um, (laughs) But yeah, no, this is great. I really enjoyed it. And obviously, um, we'll take a little bit of a break. But the baseball offseason is really busy. Um, and I think it's going to be another busy one for the Blue Jays, honestly. I don't think they, um, I think there's going to be a little bit more competition uh, in the market. I think there's going to be more teams doing shopping, but I think the Blue Jays um, are not done making a splash. So whether it's Robbie Ray or Marcus Simeon or both of them or uh, whoever else makes sense. Uh, there's still the Joey Gallo trade to come. They're going <laughs> yes. to trade for Joey Gallo. Joey Gallo and Jose Ramirez trades to talk about, um, Both. obviously. Uh, yeah. Congratulations <laughs> to me, the new general manager of the Toronto Blue Jays. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be the big announcement this offseason. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, this was great. Um, I still have a few pieces coming out uh, that I've sort of pre-written. I have a, I have a fun one coming out um, where I won't spoil it. I want people to read it, but uh, I go back and revisit some of my preseason predictions and see what I got right and what I got wrong. And I did pretty well, actually, if I do say so. Well, then. I did not. I did did well with the one that I've mentioned many times. I did badly with the one when I was like, take the under on the Rays wins. But I'm always going to say that. Every year I'm going to be like, under. The Hmm? one that you got is your um, Shohei Otani MVP? Well, there's that one. That's different. That's more like a bet that I was like, bet on Shohei Otani, which is is, uh, my finest hour. But the other one was like when I kept going on about how the Red Sox are a scary team and like they're going to ruin somebody's summer. Turns out they ruined every team in the American League East summer. All all three teams, other teams plus the Orioles. Uh, The Red Sox destroyed their hopes and dreams just pissed all over them and they're going to ruin the entire american league's fall because they're going to go to the world series can you imagine it's happening okay it's happening no the other thing um i said was like yeah i was like oh yeah take the under on the race i was like this is it this is the year of the race exposed as frauds well i was wrong they won 100 baseball games (laughs) one of the one of the predictions i made i'll just say this one because we were just talking about it um was uh and i remember so i predicted that robbie ray would post a sub for era and i remember talking about this and i think you doubted me you were like well, i don't know because he gives up a lot of home runs um uh, which was not untrue but <laughs> <laughs> but he just gave up all those home runs with no one on base so it didn't matter he posted not only a sub four era he posted a sub three era um, that's wild so i was right on that one I called it Robbie Ray Cy Young. No, I didn't. I didn't call it Cy Young. But if if I had if there was audio of me saying go and uh, with one of our sponsors, BetMGM, and uh, and and bet on Robbie Ray to win the Cy Young, then that would be really something. <laughs> uh, there is audio of me saying go bet on Shohei Otani, and I bet you that Cam has got it. I think he does. And but again, that was my finest hour. But this every hour that we spent every Sunday or Monday for all of the baseball season was among my finest hours. So Caitlin, thanks to you. Thanks to everyone for listening. There's still one more episode, at least coming this week, uh, talking prospects, fingers crossed, if everything holds together. And I want you to look out for that. But for now, I want to say thank you to Caitlin. I want to say thank you to you. Thank you to Cam, our, our intrepid producer, who's sticking with us ever so patiently all season long down there in beautiful, down, uh, beautiful downtown Wichita, Kansas, or outside of Wichita, Kansas, or 
Kansas. But then mostly, of course, thanks to everyone who listens to the show, who shares it and, and comments and offers us feedback, good, bad, or indifferent, and uh, and and for supporting us and keeping the show alive. Keep uh, downloading, keep rating, keep reviewing, keep us going, and we'll be back in no time with more Spin Rate. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.